Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 294. Going down the road again. I should know some of the lines to that song. I don't know much more of the lines of the song, but it immediately comes to mind when we start to do that one. That is from the Muppets. (laughs) Yes, it is. Something about how can we be heading, you know, does the sun always rise in the west? Something <laughs> no, like that. Anyway, whatever, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to mangle it if I try. So let's, let's do it justice and move on. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll be able to do justice to another game today. We are going to be reviewing Merchants of the Dark Road as we travel down the road again. Very cool. Okay, and so what is this game about? I hadn't heard of this game before. Uh, Merchants of the Dark Road is... Uh... <laughs> It's a rondelle type game where you mm-hmm. are merchants traveling around this mm. board, dark road. going oh. to one of various, well, the dark road is less important. Uh, you're traveling around the town, um, collecting goods and heroes. And then at certain points in times, you will take uh, journeys out to one of the six various towns that lie out over in the dark road and deliver heroes and stuff to them. You're trying to do that multiple times to the game has an interesting score mechanic where whichever you are scoring the most in, whether it's victory points or coins is, excuse me, scoring the least in um, is going to be what is considered for victory points between prestige and coins. But whoever has the most amount of victory points at the end of the game wins. Okay. And this is a a fantasy setting, it sounds like. This is a completely fantasy setting, and there's a lot of thematic stuff that goes into it. And hey, I'm going to jump straight into theme. There's a lot of theme that they have packed into the game, talking about all the different things. Um, They have just pumped this full of thematics, so much so that like there's three different types of coins. There's the one, the five, and the ten, and each of them have a whole icon with a rich history that's discussed, and the queen, and the town (laughs) names. And along the road, when you're going and making deliveries, you have these event cards that come up with these mini stories in them. And everything is well-named, excellent art, all sticks a great theme of this dark land where it looks like almost the sun doesn't ever rise. And it, I mean, that is the story of it is that during the winter, the sun never rises in this, in this area. And they've pushed that theme really well. And it's amazingly done in terms of the thematic implications of everything that they've pushed in. You can sit and live in this world. Wow, okay, so so there's a ton of flavor text on the cards and whatnot, and then there's also a bunch of description that would be, I guess, in the rule book. Like for the, example, some of the description is in the rule book. Some of the description is in the Kickstarter project when they discuss the various things. Uh-huh. There's a lot of um, a lot of flavor text that's actually in the rule book. Each of the different areas has like a brief quote or a discussion about it. Like the Queen's Commission has a quote from the Queen, or a merchant has a quote in some places. So there's quotes all over the place about types of things um in all honesty i think that the flavor text is less important than just the general art style like with the event cards Mm -hmm. there's a title for it but there's a very well evoking uh, art piece and the event cards are big they're bigger than tarot and 
it evokes very much what has happened and why you're there. All of the heroes have basically unique art. Uh, there's a bunch of unique companions and unique horses. All the, all the horses are the steeds, excuse me, because they're not all horses, but all the steeds are unique. Um, there's unique buildings. Just there's so much stuff that all meshes into the theme. All the stuff. Wow. Okay. But it's so, not the so words. So they said more with less. Nice. Yeah. I don't. I do not think it's the words. I think it's just the things. That's pretty neat. That that's really cool. Because because when you have something like that, each person that plays it will also interpret it a little bit different. So everybody's like adventuring in a slightly different world in their heads and whatnot, <laughs> which I think is just potentially neat idea. Yeah. Okay, so, so well, you told us about the theme. Let's talk about the rules then, because you already kind of hinted at them. Well, let me actually first, before we get to jump oh. to the rules, because I know we're way off base for how the normal thing. We've skipped right over components. Yeah. And we normally do components before rules. So let me talk <laughs> about the components, because there's a lot of components. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the first set of components you're going to notice is, let me talk about the board. The board is actually a puzzle piece board. It's not an unfolding board. Um, there's six different puzzle pieces instead of having a six fold board that you can put them together. Part of the reason why they've said they made it puzzle pieces is for expansion purposes. So you can swap out puzzle pieces or extend puzzle oh. pieces or who knows what. Um, but that it's a puzzle piece board to tie everything together. The puzzle piece board generally is the town that you're walking around that you're constantly spinning your little circle around to go to the six different the five different buildings rather and you keep spinning around around the central area and having a board there and then over on the right side taking up a whole giant chunk of space is the six cities that can go be visited part of the board is, is it's huge it's a very big board with a lot of space um, that is used weirdly, I will say. There's <laughs> a sixth of the board is used as reference for what the six different villages, towns, cities do. It's it's already really big. <laughs> wow, okay, perhaps yeah, this is gonna be perhaps this is gonna be a theme, is this is huge. Um the board has really nice art elements and all mm-hmm. of the space is used beautifully, but it is a very big board and some of the stuff like it just, you did not need to have that town space there. And yet, and yet you do. So I almost immediately begin to say like, there's different spots where like a board, you can replace some of these things easily. I see where they're coming from for potentially mm-hmm. doing that. Yeah. And th- that town area that you're talking about, I guess that, that could easily be a half the size of what it is and still be spacious. I mean, it could just also be reference. It could just be cards. Yeah. It could be reference cards. Yeah. There's, you didn't have to make a whole board for it. So extravagant. This must've been a successful Kickstarter. It was a, a successful, successful Kickstarter. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so here's some more like extravagance. Yeah. One of what I think is the neatest components. There is a market area where there's a set of market dice. There's five dice that are all unique dice, and they list this each side of the die is one of the six different things that you can buy. So like you can buy instruments or armor, and all the armors are these um, tetrominoes. They're, they're polyomino-type things, all rectangles or squares, um, that you'll store in your two-layer wagon boards 
for how much it is. So like potions, these tiny little things, loots are these big things. Now the prices for them will rotate around. The way you determine the prices is there's this market wheel, which is another piece of cardboard, but in the middle of the board hidden is a magnet. And in the middle of the market wheel is a magnet. So if you drop the market wheel onto the board, it snaps right into place and you can spin it around the magnet. Oh, cool. Classy component. Very classy. Mm-hmm. But that market board will, that market wheel will spin around and there's markings around the edges of it on the board that show where it is. So as you spin around, like it'll go from five to one to determine how much a different good will cost. So at the beginning of the game, it could be that the loots, the biggest stuff is worth the most. Then somebody messes with the market wheel and those giant loots are only now worth one. Oh no. And you have, you spent a fortune, your loots and now they're worthless. Correct. So you have to adjust that market wheel. Unfortunately, it's very easy to do. So it's just hold on by magnet. So it stays put, but it's easy to spin and move around. Um, Everyone has some wagon boards that again are, are on my copy. They're uh, double layer. So they have different spots to hold all the different things. Uh, and you can move the dice around. There's a spot for all of the different dice and a spot for your lanterns and a spot for your horseshoes and your blazing cords and your market dice and all the different things that all fit on your own personal little wagon board. Everything has a slot. You also have player screens because theoretically the amount of money you have is supposed to remain secret, especially because it's one of the things that one's competing about. So you have a little board to be able to hide that. Um, there was an upgrade that you could have gotten under the Kickstarter for these little purses that you can use to hold your money. I personally prefer mm-hmm. to use these purses so much so that some of my other games have been replaced to also have purses like small world, <laughs> for example, so much nicer than a screen. I like the purse. And these are little tiny, like uh, dice bags that stand upright when you put them on the table. It looks like exactly. Yes. Um, but that is a bonus thing that, that didn't come with the game, but that was added on. Are, are there a lot more other ones add on stuff? Cause I'm looking at a picture of the game on BGG oh, and there's, there's some really nice components. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, I don't have all the add ons, but I'll mention some of them as we're going through things. Oh, the list of all the components is going to get large. There are hero <laughs> cards. Uh, so hero cards will denote heroes that are available to be picked up and brought along. Um, you can, you must sell them some of your goods when you bring them into your, into your wagon. And additionally, you must drop them off at the different towns. When you go out caravanning, caravanning, caravassing, whatever. Uh, when you go out traveling, you have to go drop them off. So the different, hero cards will show both what their power is while they're with you, what they will buy from you when they come to you, where it is that they want to go. There are companion cards that when you go traveling, you can grab a companion. They have special abilities that you spend blazing quartz to activate. There are steeds, which are essentially like asymmetric player powers um, that are applied to the game. There are deed cards, which are essentially like victory point mini mission cards. Uh, There are event cards that when you go traveling, you will draw an event card for one of the two different event decks and that, and then you'll roll dice to determine at random which of the different effects applied to you. There are commission tiles because the way you get victory points is by completing queen's commissions. So the commission tiles will tell you what the queen has requested that you purchase and then deliver. Uh, There are building tiles. So the buildings can be mixed up in the game. There are five double-sided building tiles. That's 10 total buildings. Uh, You shuffle those up and put one on each spot of each of the four spots in the game. uh, And that determines 
where it is that, that there are buildings to use. Now, the buildings are not too particularly relevant to the game. We'll get back to that later. Uh, there are Dark Marken, there's Ruins of Yin's tokens, there's Blazing Quartz tokens. The game comes with cardboard ones, I have plastic ones. There's Lantern tokens, again, it comes with uh, cardboard, I have nice plastic ones. Actually, Those are really ones. pretty. Oh, they are very pretty. They're these actual built lanterns, they're very nice. Uh, there's Horseshoe tokens, again, cardboard, and I have metal ones. There's Goods tiles. Um, which can be flipped over to have some like gold trim on them. If you upgrade them, there's a die that's used in the ruins. There's illuminated dice that you can use for bonus actions. There's night dice, which determine what your actions are. There's <laughs> Oracle dice for the Oracle building. There's travel dice for when you're going out traveling to determine what happens to you. And then there's a whole bunch of coins. As mentioned, the coins were all thematic based on ones, fives and tens. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. Stuff. I have there is. You didn't talk about the really in. nice inserts, and it's just tons of. Oh, I, I haven't talked about the insert. You know what? Let me talk about the insert. There's also. Let me, I'll get back to the insert in just a second. There's also a whole bunch of solo play components. Um, so when oh, you're playing okay. solo, what it is is there's a, they call it the private concern, and what the private concern is, it's a Atama type thing where it's going to have these action cards that are going to be used to determine what it does. It's got these um, guild notice cards that will allow it to have special bonuses and things that it does. It's got a goods marker that it's going to be using to to distribute out stuff and a delivery set of tiles that it's going to be using for um, identifying the stuff that it's doing. So it's got a whole set of separate components but it can really just be summarized in that it's Otama type thing. And that's really mm -hmm. how it works. Yeah. And, and you've talked about how nice it is, but it, it really is nice. Like the player boards or die cup boards or two layers. You said each one is a, a different shaped wagon. Mm -hmm. So, so I mean, they just had to make, you know, a bunch of different die cut. That's just, wow. Yeah. The player <laughs> boards are all individual. The wagons are all individual. I have the printed meeples. Um, so all sorts of stuff. Wow. Okay. They, they very much went with a lot of really deluxe stuff for this game. And they laid it on thick and heavy. So if you <laughs> like a lot of fancy stuff, this is the game that really will satisfy that. You mentioned about um, the really the nice insert. There is an insert that comes with the game. It is a plastic formed insert and it theoretically will let you store and organize everything. Mm -hmm. um, the insert's absolute garbage. It is oh. the worst insert. It is trash. They spent so much time and effort into it and it is trash. Let me tell you why. Um, the way they worked is they it's a tall box with some really tall slots. And a single slot, it will list you like, here's the piles, the layers of different things you put. So for instance, put a couple of these type of dice, and then a couple of these type of dice, and then some other cards, and then 
this deck of card and this deck of card on top of that and then some other things on top and then here's the next set so you have to keep doing that right wow okay. so there's like four slots with like a specific set of pile for how stuff fits into it so there's a whole reference book <laughs> of just packing the game away there literally is um <laughs> and it is finicky to get stuff into it and finicky to get stuff out of it there's like perfectly formed slots for like some of the deluxe components like some of the molded mini type components for things that just don't need minis um but like there's specific slots for these things and sometimes it's hard to get things in and out of those slots but in addition like here's here's some of the most frustrating things for example, let's say you want to play the game solo, so you want to pull out all the solo components. They're literally spread out across three slots. They're, they're not all together. Oh. They're not all in one thing. They're just spread out at random across a bunch of different slots. It's like you have to dig them out. If you want to pull out, so every player gets seven of these dark dice and one of these light dice. So the dark dice are spread out in two different slots. Like you have to reach in two different slots to get all the dark dice. The light dice, even though they're a resource that you buy and get and sell over the course of the game, they're not stored with the other resource. There's like there's a, there's a tray of the four different things that are sold over the course of the game, but apparently the dice just didn't make the cut, so they didn't get included in there. But and hmm. perhaps the best part of it is there's those I mentioned there's the six different resources. So the tray to hold the six different resources holds them pretty well. But sometimes because of how it's made, so things can tilt over a little bit, which can block you from closing the tray. You like have to line them up mm. and make them all stand mm -hmm. upright, and then they fall over, and you're like, well, try, try yeah, it again. I, I've had to do that with some games. That's frustrating. <sighs> it's so bad. It's such a horrendous insert. Oh. Yeah, right. So insert <sighs> is not their forte. No. <laughs> And they were like, we don't need to do a game trays insert. We can do it ourselves. No, you can't. <laughs> okay, well. Legit cannot. So I've pitched my insert. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Because it just took up room and it did not make yeah, it easier to get in and out of the game. Yep. Easier to just keep things in a few different Ziploc bags and organize yeah. it better. Okay, so well, so there's all the components in their splendor and unfunctionality, even. In their splendor and unfunction. Oh, you mean the the insert, the, insert? Yeah. the splendor yeah, of everything and then the unfunctionality of the insert. Yep. So how about the rules now? Rules are pretty good. I, I don't have anything particularly negative to say about the rules. The rules lay out how to set up the game pretty well. They lay out how to go through the game. It first explains to you the general idea of the round. It a nice thing is like here's a very brief, quick overview of how the game the how the game is set up into rounds, how the game works in terms of what you do on each round. And now I'll go through and explain more focused on the four steps of a round. And then I'll go through and focus on the different actions you can take. And all those things are pulled out. Like there's a lot of space taken up for each action. It means that the rule book gets to be pretty long, but it's long at the expense of being able to easily find reference and read stuff. It's not long at the expense of complexity. Mm -hmm. It's just that it spends a whole page telling you a single 
action with a lot of icons, a lot of explanation, a lot of arrows pointing here and there. Like there's a lot of stuff going on that it explains how all of it works. Okay. So the, the rule mm-hmm. is pretty good. And it even has examples for how some of the more complicated aspects of the rules work. So travel is the most complicated part of the game. And after explaining it, it says, and now I'll write out a full example of how all this works. Like you can read along with me and this is how everything goes. That That is wow, okay. a really nice way of explaining the rules. Having said all that, and perhaps they're getting into gameplay, it's, it is a complicated game with a lot of different things to do. I mentioned travel is the most expensive part. There's a little reference card that comes with the game, which lays out a reference for how travel works. Travel is pretty core for the game, but you have to know how to do the travel parts. And so it's like a 13 or 12 step rules (laughs) on how to do travel, right? I will usually at the beginning when I'm, when I'm explaining the game, I will hand people the rules on travel. I will say, okay, you go to this spot to buy goods. You go to this spot to sell goods. You go to this spot to get commissions. You go to this spot to to get any mix of those in the dark market. And you go to this spot to travel and turn in all those other things. Then I'll go through each of the four different spots in more detail. But I will specifically say, and travel is complicated. And we will do it when someone wants to go traveling. We will go through it step by step, and it will not be clear until then. <laughs> because <laughs> just accept it. Wow. Okay. It's so complicated to do this, 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 this. You know what? Hang on for the ride. Actually, no, I'm not going to do it yet. Mm-hmm. Let me explain everything else first before we hang on for the ride. Okay. <laughs> okay. So in terms of what the different actions are, I basically have summarized most of it already. You have your dice and they're these dark dice and you will have three of them slotted in at any one time. And they will say, for instance, one, two, three, or four. There are also a one that's, that's hollow and is and a zero that blank, which are essentially a five or a six because it's a four round rondelle. So yeah. <laughs> That's how that works. Mm -hmm. So on your turn, you will move one of those up into one of the available slots. Now then each of the three slots that you have dice slotted into will let you take a bonus action, like crafting a good or gaining a lantern. So you have to decide which of the dice lets you, which of the dice you want to use both based on the number that's showing on it and the benefit that that die will give you. Mm -hmm. Immediately after you empty it, you have to fill the slot with something else. So you have to plan at the beginning of this turn for your next turn because yeah. Wow. So that's just what you have to do. So you have to plan for your next turn. Like, do you want to put the one to three or the four in the slot that you just emptied to use it next turn? And yeah, stuff and nonsense. Um, sure. So you have to plan that step ahead. Then once you've, Use the die, use the bonus for the die slot that you've got and moved around. You now have to use one of the buildings. So each of the four different rondelle spots is between two buildings. 
you can choose one of those two buildings. So these are the main buildings, not like the sub unique buildings. These are one of the main buildings. So the different buildings will either let you turn in cash for resources, like the loots and the weapons and things like that. Let you go turn those resources into heroes who want to buy them. So each hero wants to buy one, two, or three. So you have to sell at least one when you buy it, when you pick up a hero. You can't pick up a hero for nothing, and you can't pick up two heroes. When you get a hero, they'll join your caravan. So you have slots for three heroes. They'll just sit on top of your wagon. There are Queen's Commissions. So the way the Queen's Commissions work is that the whole goal here is to become the best merchant, to be recognized as the merchant guild advisor or something to the queen. So throughout the game, she'll say, hey, I want you to deliver three weapons over to North Breaktown. I'm not going to, queen says, I'm not going to pay you diddly for that. <coughs> so use your own money mm-hmm. for it. So you have to go buy them and then give them up for free. <laughs> but in return, oh. queen gives you prestige. And again, you need prestige to be able to win because whichever the less of it you have between prestige and coins is the one that happens. So you have to essentially go waste your money getting prestige because prestige you can't turn back. Gosh, it's, it's good to be the queen. It very much is, yes. Um, so you have to go get that prestige. So this orders that you have to fulfill for zero cash per term. Um, you go pick up those orders by going and visiting the queen. Uh the last basic building is going to be the dark market where you have like another mini rondelle, which when you go there, you can spend money to advance that mini rondelle and that mini rondelle will let you pick up some mix of the other things. So you can have deeds, which are these mini victory point goals, uh, or you can mix up, pick up a mix of other goods and things. It's generally not really a good deal to go to the dark market i don't think i very rarely did it i would usually skip over that and really only get to pick one of those buildings now you have a limited set of illuminated dice illuminated dice are not easy to get you start the game with one of them and you may get one or two more you may find something that gives you more consistently but illuminated dice is the only way to take two actions on one turn or interact with those bonus cool buildings that we set up at the start of the game if you use an illuminated die, not only do you get to take both building actions next to you, but you also get to use the cool building, which is just like a small little bonus thing you get. Um, it doesn't happen very much, and it's extra complexity on, on the board and in decision-making and things that you can do. Um, but it is a thing that you can do about whether or not you want to use limited days. Otherwise, you pick one of the two actions, right? Right. The last action, and again, I've not mentioned it, here we go, is travel. (sighs) Deep breath. When you go traveling, (laughs) you can choose to either travel to the ruins of Yin, in which case you're not making deliveries. Instead, you're just sending your adventurers down into the ruins, uh, and they will come back with random upgraded goods. And if you want, you can send them with actual supplies in the form of lanterns, and then they get to roll a die and maybe get treasure. And who knows? Cool treasure. If you decide to travel and make some deliveries, you have to set up a whole caravan so other players can choose if they want to join with you or if they don't. You must first announce if you want to spend lanterns to leave the road dark or if you want to take a shortcut uh, by spending three lanterns to get some bonuses at the end uh, and be able to light up the road. Once you've decided which of those you're doing, everyone gets to vote yes or no if they want to come in. 
For everyone who comes in, mm. they, you take a random travel die. You was you flip over the event and roll the dice to figure out what the event happens. So if you roll low, it's usually bad things. If you roll high, it's good things. If you're going shortcut, the other players get to choose travel dice first, which means they have a better chance of getting good things. If you're going dark road, you get to choose first, which means you get a better chance of getting good things. Uh, so everyone picks hmm. one of those travel dice, resolves what it does, so like it could cost them money or it could even get the money. Who knows? It does a thing. Then they all get to visit the towns. You, if you're leading it, you can only go to the one place you announced that you were going. Everyone else can either go to that one place or the other place that matches the color printed on the board. So you have to hopefully not be too colorblind to be able to see it, but you have to see that it matches that same <laughs> color. And if it does match the same color, you may choose if you wish to go to that one instead. You go there, you deliver commissions so you can get um, you know, prestige for delivering one, two or three of those goods. Uh, and you can deliver heroes, which can give you prestige or gold based upon which location you're going. Uh, once you've done all of that, if you took the dark road, um, then you get one bonus point good thing um, called a good fortune. When you get a good fortune, you get to pick one of the various different available good fortunes. If you took the shortcut, you get two of the good fortunes. Once you've done all that, that's the end of your travel. The turn passes and that's it. Yay, you're done. Holy buckets. Okay. Goodness gracious me. <laughs> Why? It didn't sound too bad, but it is, it's a whole game in itself. Almost. It is literally a whole game in itself. It is yeah. so complicated. I don't know why they felt like it was necessary to add on thing after thing after thing after thing to it. So is this a long playing game that I take it? It, it, sure it does. Like it, it is a longer playing game. The game does take quite a while. I think the game is rated at one to two hours. It's usually closer to like two to three for me. Um, I think if I'm playing solo, we get the shorter side of that stick. But yeah, the game definitely does play long. I think part of the length of it is because you're trying to keep track of things. Some of it is hard to keep track of. So for example, there's 13 rounds. Here's, here's an example of something that's hard to keep track of. The game is played over 13 rounds. There's not a round tracker on the board. The way you keep track of it is everyone has seven dice. Once everyone mm. has used up those seven dice, you take back six of those dice. So you have six more rounds. Then once everyone's used up those six dice, you take them back. So you have five more. Then once everyone's used those five, you, and it's actually not five because there's three left when you take them back because you have three slotted. So you take back, so you'll have a total of six. You'll take back, so you have a total of five. You'll take back, so you have a total of fourth. And then once once you can't take back anymore because there's three slotted, so then just do the three, two, one. And somehow you keep track of that, and that all equals up to 13. Ooh! Wow. <laughs> Wait, how many more rounds do we have? So we've given back dice twice, which means that there's five more rounds, right? Five, okay, good. Five more rounds, right. You know, it, it's... <laughs> I appreciate when there's a game mechanic to help you keep track of turns versus moving the marker on the board. Because, you know, because it's easy enough to forget to move a marker oh, yeah. versus remembering to, to fit. But there's so much space on the board, they may as well put a marker too. Oh, yeah. But here's another thing just simplify the dang blast thing. Put yeah, seven yeah, yeah. dice in it. And rather than say, hey, it's slowly dwindling every single time, just do seven. And say, when everyone's out, we're going to roll, and then you'll have 12 rounds instead of 13. Or give eight. I don't care what. 
like say eight the second mm-hmm. time. I don't know, but like, or do three rounds of six or who knows what, like there's so many more options, but why have the complication of it slowly dwindling and then you have to keep track of rounds that way. Like make it simpler. This is my review for the game. Make it simpler. <laughs> in a nutshell. So you could have saved about 30 minutes in this episode and just I that. literally could have. Make <laughs> it simpler. The Rondell mechanic for this game is quite nice. I like mm-hmm. the idea of having limited mm-hmm. dice that limit where you're going. And maybe a little bit like those dice are tied to certain actions. But those actions you have to pick at the beginning of your turn once you've thought... Before you've really planned out the rest of your turn, you have to pick at the beginning one. I house rule and I forget about that. And sometimes I'll say you just pick at the end of your turn. But one of the slots gets a good crafted based on the die that you fill it. And sometimes that good is needed and crafted right immediately. So I say, fine, you could do either the beginning or the end. So I house rule that immediately because why do I need that extra complexity in my life? Yeah. But then like you that I, Yeah, go on. That would work well, I think, if it's a game you you're playing a lot and often with the same group of people. Right? That then it like if it's a game you just pull out every weekend or something. I you have to but for this level like, of complexity. Yeah. Because until like you this game could have used an editor to just start snipping away swaths of it. Here's things that I really, mm-hmm. really like i really really like the rondel and forcing to move through all the things i really really like that there's the two things that you have to balance and they're so tight between having to balance money and prestige and everyone knows your prestige nobody knows your amount of money and it's hard to keep track having to balance will say I'm not going to get paid if I go for prestige, but I need to do prestige because I don't think I'm winning on money and I know I'm not winning on prestige. So I do I push for this way? Do I push for that way? Having the fact that goods, everything essentially has two outlets. Goods can either go mm-hmm. for commissions or for heroes. Heroes can either be, the point of heroes is either to buy your goods or be delivered to markets. So like everything sort of has two outlets, two types of things where everything goes. And that, that diversity, the die parity between all those different elements is really spot on a whole lot of push and pull between those things when it's a push and pull. But some of these things are so complicated. You know what? Even I I mentioned all those things about the travel. I forgot something because you also get a companion (laughs) just because, Hey, choose a companion and it gives you a thing. And if you choose a specific companion, you get an extra die for your events. Why? (laughs) For God's sake. So there's, there's lanterns. Lanterns have like four different things that they're used for blazing quartz. There's only a single thing they're used for companions. Um, Some people are unhappy about the fact that the, Different goods have different sizes, but there's it's not tied that the big ones are more expensive than the small ones. I think that's part of the charm of being able to balance it. Like sometimes, like you can't, you have to diversify because nobody wants to have a thing. So, like I, I think that's part of the charm. I think that's nice. Um, but like all the complexity for it's, it feels like it's complexity for complexity's sake. If travel mm-hmm. would have been as simple as he, travel could have been as simple as 
an N event. Don't do any of this dark road shortcut stuff. As simple as N event with like anybody who wants to come must do a die roll. And that's it. Just you have to do a die roll for your event. And that just determines what it is. And that's just part of the risk for it. And it's just, it is, it is a thing. It is a thing. Um, so do, do an event, do a travel. Everyone gets to travel to the place that you're going. None of this, like you're different than them. They get more than you. You, you get, you picked it. They don't have to go with you. It just, it's a thing. Everyone goes to the yeah. place and then for going and arranging the caravan because it's your turn. Fine. Maybe you get a good, or you can even just drop that whole thing. Like your reward, you know what your reward really is? You get to travel. You get to do the thing. But no, there's got to be upgrades to your wagon that that you have to pick. You have to pick one of the different upgrades, the good fortunes, the this and that. Like, oh, just start <laughs> hacking away swaths of the thing. So this, But this seems to be a trend that's pretty popular in games these days where it's like a whole lot of different mechanics thrown in together to make a game, right? Like a... Lost Ruins of Arnak did that, or Kanban EV has that, right? There's a whole bunch of different but things. But Lost Ruins of Arnak feels like it all fits together for me. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I can cut away a swath of it, because really, like, there's two. There's two for Lost Ruins of Arnak, it feels like. And things in Arnak feel like there's, again, that diparity, like there's the two pairs of things as you're going through. This doesn't feel that way to me. Like, the dark market, just get rid of the dark market. Or make it a simpler dark market. Don't have another mini rondelle on top of a rondelle. Don't have the ruins be another rondelle on top of a rondelle. Like, there's three rondelles okay. in this rondelle game. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a rondelle game, so you want it to for it to be important. But so, okay, so so I get it. You're saying that, yes, it, it's a one of these kitchen sink games where you throw a whole bunch of mechanics in, but they don't feel necessary where other games... It doesn't feel like you take them out. They feel necessary. Worse than a not feeling necessary. Like there's too much it here. It detracts. Like when you explain the rules to someone mm. and they're like, holy cow, I have nothing to do. Like what? What? So much stuff. Like drop companions. Just get rid of them. Make steeds like an advanced version. Make it all. It could have just been like, if you want a bonus to make your game asymmetrical, like once you're experienced, throw in some steeds. Like, but no, I mean, steeds mm. come out all the time. Um, like there's, it could have been so much more streamlined and it's not. So they, they accidentally released all the expansions at once. You know what? That's a possibility. Oops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> hey, when that happens, you know, that's a possibility. Yeah. You know, you know, I did something like that last week when, um, when I edited the podcast, you know, we always edit a, a week out. I finally happened where I edited the podcast, I uploaded it, and I forgot to set schedule it for next week. <laughs> <laughs> and I published it live immediately, and I caught it. So when I was able to undo that. The designers can't undo that with a game like this. No. But a couple people but did I mean, download it. I think there's three downloads. Editors can, <laughs> and publishers often do that editing for you. Yes, you do that up front. And yep. there was, it does not feel like there was enough editing to be able to make the game go streamlined. Now, having said all that, man, the game is, uh, there's a lot to like in this game. And I've already mentioned that the game looks gorgeous. If you can get over the mm -hmm, garbage yep. insert, the game, every every component of the game is lovingly crafted. The game is, it, it looks beautiful. It is so nice to look at it on the table. And frankly, once you get a hang of all of the complexity, it's pretty fun to play. That, that push-pull okay. that I've been mentioning 
especially with regard to the prestige and the coins that that two thing which i know there's lots of games that do that kind of idea of having two of them it's not unique to this game but it's done really well by having it all be part of the market having everything have everything feels like excuse me not everything many things feel like they have the two ways that you can go to push which way you want to do it and continue flowing from one to the other and you have to be nimble on your feet there's a lot of that that's really nice and that leads me to enjoy the game but i find it really hard to recommend to someone who doesn't already enjoy the game because it's is a <laughs> lot to get into it well so so this episode's getting a little bit long so let's take a detour and jump straight to the solo game now sure uh what's that like the solo it's basically on otama it's you have the set of you have a set of cards and you flip it over and it sends the robot around to be able to buy stuff or block stuff off or um you'll mix in some of the uh special tokens into the rest of the tokens and, and mix them in to determine what it is that it's taking and where it's going but it's it's just it's it's your basic automa i don't think there's anything particularly cool or interesting to say about it does it feel like a? Is it a cumbersome one? Is it, it is feel not. Streamlined? It is, Does it feel like you're taking three turns? No, it feels like turn? it feels pretty streamlined. Um, it's the the automa cards um, have a set of cards that show like where it's going and what it's doing and what else it's messing with on the board and what sort of stuff it wants. So like it, it's pretty clear and good. It's easy to run with and easy to use. It has nice components to be able to run all of its stuff. So right. you, you have to make sure that some of the time you want to not mess with it, but also pick up, as with a human opponent, you want to both be in places where it's not so you don't benefit it, but also be in places where it is so you benefit from it. Um, so yeah, you got you to gotta plan ahead to both intersect with it and not, just like with a regular human opponent. So yeah, the bot is, it's a perfectly good bot. It realistically encapsulates a simple to use easy human so so it sounds like it's all right for solo play yeah you know taking into consideration all the stuff you said before absolutely yes if you're gonna play it sounds like it might even be better solo than multiplayer because of all that complexity and explaining the rules and stuff i know i know my wife would hate this game because explaining the rules would be a nightmare she would i would do such a bad job of it she'd be so frustrated <laughs> it would not work out yep so so do you recommend it for solo? I mean, yeah, I recommend it for solo if you can get over okay. if you can get all the other stuff down. Yes, I recommend it for solo. Do I think that it's a great game? No, I don't. Do I think it's a good game? Yeah. Do I recommend it? Uh, maybe. Okay. How expensive is it? Is it is it recently out or has it been out for a while also? Uh it's a it's out last year. Okay. I don't know how expensive it's been out for a while. I don't remember seeing this game at all. I don't remember seeing it at my game store. Well, I may have just ignored it or something, but the box does not look familiar, nor does the title. Okay. Yeah, I, I would guess from the way it's selling that it's not doing great. It's got an MSRP of $60, but I'm seeing like it being sold in various places for you know, a number of different prices, but like $35 in some places. Wow, 40. okay. So That sounds pretty good for, for all the stuff you're getting in this game, even if it's just the cardboard components and not the super fancy bits. Yeah, it's the cardboard components. It's not all the deluxe stuff, but yes. That's still, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, so no two-layer boards and no no deluxification stuff. Oh, the two-layer board is also deluxe? It is, yes. Ah, uh, okay. 
So are, so are the, the deluxe pawns are also deluxe. <laughs> really? The deluxe pawns? Yeah, deluxe. there's so much deluxe stuff. There's a lot of <laughs> deluxe stuff. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay, so if I wanted the deluxe version, that's going to be more expensive. Yeah, I think it's like 80 bucks. Oh, 80. Okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. So compared to the $35, $40 version, it's like, well, I guess $40 or 80 I guess I don't need deluxe. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, Albert, I think the sun has about set on this one. All right. Well, then let's let's wrap it up, and then we'll talk again in a few weeks. Yep. Give this one a nice chilly return. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus and can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.